so hard. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, a victory Monday edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. With me today is the one and only Scott Reynolds, also from PewterReport.com. Scott, we are here to talk about the process of the Bucks trimming down this roster Trying to get to 53 players from this, what, 79 or 80 with which they played in yes. the third preseason game. And uh, it started with this guy up on the screen, Tanner Hudson. But we're going to talk about a lot of those moves as we roll through today on the show. We've got uh, those roster cuts to talk about. We'll talk a little bit about that third preseason game. What we liked, what we didn't like, as we've had time to rewatch and reflect. It's going to be a fun show today. It is. And, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Victory Monday. John, I think we're going to have... <laughs> Victory Monday quite often this year. Yep. I, I would suspect that with this loaded Tampa Bay team, offense, defense, maybe special teams, we'll see. But uh, certainly I think we're going to see a lot of Victory Mondays, and that's good news for not just the Buccaneers, but their fans and everyone yep. out there in Pewter Nation watching us right here on Pewter Reports Podcast. Absolutely, and uh, it's all brought to you by our friends over at Celsius.com. Celsius is the best energy drinks on the planet. We've gotten about, oh, I want to say at least 25% of football media hooked on Celsius. I yes. I've seen all, all of these NFL Twitter people just talking about Celsius. I sent some to a few, and they have just loved Celsius and have been hooked on it. It powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I've got the sparkling strawberry guava, which I haven't even had in a while. You've got the classic orange there. Healthy energy accelerates your metabolism. It burns body fat. It's no sugar. As Dalton Miller, I saw a Cowboys media person on the radio down there said today, I saw him tweet. He said, Celsius is blowing his mind because (laughs) it gives him the energy for the day, but there's no crash. There's no jitters. There's nothing like that to delay his productivity. So I'm telling you folks, Check out Celsius. It's a beautiful product. It comes in many different flavors. They're all good. And you can find, you can use the store locator and find the Celsius near you. But go on Amazon and, and search Celsius. You can get a variety pack. You can use the subscribe and save option, right, Scott? And you can save right. yourself some money while you're ordering. And they ship Celsius. it right to your door. That's right. the beauty. It's like Amazon just brings it right to the door. You save money. You buy it in bulk. You never run out. It's it's the it's the way to go. And I will say this, and, and I, I don't want to invite any criticism because we're not going to do that. We're going to save the criticism for the Buccaneers and their opponents, not Celsius. But the thing is, John, I've never heard anybody say, hey, I tried it and didn't like it. It's always yeah. like, tried it, I loved it. And I found new flavors I love. I mean, it, we've never had any type of, of, of advertising partner or any type of sponsor elicit such strong, unsolicited, unprompted feedback as Celsius. And that, that mm-hmm. tells me that they make a great product and we're proud to be, be partners with them here on the Peter Report podcast. Absolutely. And they are sponsoring today's show as they sponsored the game day show this past weekend in which we had a chance to talk about everything going on with the Bucks as it was happening. While they were in that game against the Texans, we were able to live break things down and give fans insight into players, into the scheme, into all kinds of stuff. It was a blast. We'll continue to do that obviously, uh, as we move through the season. We've got announcements coming up about that later in the show, so it's going to be it spurred us forward, Scott, into these discussions about roster cuts and in these discussions about who actually makes this Bucks roster uh, this year, and those discussions have started to get narrowed down today because we've seen some of the first roster cuts as the Bucks yep. have begun to whittle that roster down. 
they probably know all of them, but we only know a right. percentage of them so far. Here's we know so far, and it's yeah. uh, 4.05 Eastern time here on the Peter Report podcast on Monday. And uh, this is what we're looking at so far. So Tanner Hudson and fellow tight end Jarrell Adams, Jake Benzinger, the tackle. Uh, that's There's really no surprises there, maybe outside of Hudson. But, John, you and I have been talking about the fact that they may keep only three tight ends for so long, and we have not heard Cody McElroy's name yet, but I got to figure he didn't have a strong game there in Houston. Matter of fact, he whiffed on on maybe one or two of the block attempts that allowed Jose Borgales' field goal and extra point to be blocked. So I don't think he's going to make it. That's not official. That's just my opinion. Defensively, Javon Hagan, uh, I think Ross Cockrell's addition mm-hmm. to the safety group, probably, you know, led to his demise uh, from the roster. Joe Jones, we just didn't see him elevate. He had the nice pick six against the, the Bengals in preseason game one. We didn't see him elevate past K.J. Brett. K.J. Brett will be the fourth linebacker. We'll see if they keep Grant Stewart as well. Antonio Hamilton, surprise cut. We'll talk about him in a second. Elijah Ponder, outside linebacker, as well as as Kobe Smith. But, uh, John, let's let's start with the offense. Let's Let's get your thoughts. On Tanner Hudson, I'd, I'd like to think the Buccaneers, if he does clear waivers, possibly bring him back for the practice squad. They like his receiving yeah. ability, but he's got to do more to, to make the roster, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the thing with Tanner Hudson is I wonder, yes, he could come back to the practice squad, but I also wonder if the Bucs are just kind of ready to move on. Like, they've tried to develop him. He is not fit what they do. It's just that simple. You know, he he – I think he's a really good receiving tight end. I think he can go somewhere else in the NFL, Scott, be a number two tight end, be a guy who plays in certain teams, 12 personnel packages, and provide some value. You know, once you get to 12, 13, you're out on the edges of the blocking scheme. You don't necessarily need to be as good a blocker. And some teams will willingly sacrifice that kind of stuff if you can give them what he can give in the in the receiving game. And so that's yep. why I think it's huge that Tanner Hudson shows what he has when he has that opportunities. Does the, can things and aspects of his game improve? Absolutely, they can. But at the same time, Scott, I think we're really we are talking about a player here that has NFL ability. Like that's not in question. Well, he's got NFL receiving ability, right? And 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 I, I I wonder too, John, if the Buccaneers just have had their fill with Tanner Hudson and just say this guy kind of is what he is. He's kind of a one trick pony in terms of being able to catch the ball, but he's a liability as a blocker. Doesn't factor in too much on special teams. If we saw last year, even Anthony Altlair, who ended up making the roster as the fourth tight end, the blocking tight end, if you will, helping out on special teams. Once he got hurt, they said, you know what? We can use this this uh, other offensive lineman that we have dressed in a reserve capacity, Joe Haig, as that extra blocking tight end. And we can we can essentially free up a roster spot elsewhere on game day. And uh, and so I think they kind of discovered last year they could get away with having three tight ends because they can use a blocking offensive lineman mm-hmm. as that extra tight end in run formations. And sure. and you'll and see that again. Yeah, and, and it, it might be Robert Hainsey. It might be Josh Wells. Uh, you know, it might be Nick Leverett. It, whoever they dress, it might be Aaron Stinney. But I think yeah. that, that they'll find one of those offensive linemen and put them in the Joe Haig role and and maybe even throw a pass to him like they threw to, to Joe Haig, and we'll see who's got the best hands out of that group. Yeah, and and you may see that again. I'll clarify what I was going to say earlier. You may see that again, but more than likely, I think, 
that was kind of a deviation, right? When things start happening, I think, especially with OJ Howard, how capable a blocker is he? Well, the other night, OJ Howard was encouraging steps as a blocker. I thought he did some good things in that game as a blocker. I don't think he's ever going to be a great blocker, but as I said, when you get into extra personnel and you are out on the fringes, you're blocking more safeties and corners and can he handle that kind of work? I think that he can. And so, yeah, I am I am very curious to see what they do with that if the, with a f- potential fourth tight end slot. I agree with you. I don't think Cody McElroy is going to make the roster. But the biggest concern with me, why did Antonio Claire make the roster last year going into the season? He made it as a fourth tight end, and he made it because they believed he was a blocker. I don't think he was a blocker, but they believed that, and he was a better option than Tanner Hudson. And that's what they need. If they're going to carry a fourth tight end, he must block. That is going to be his yeah. role. And they thought Joe Hay could fill a role like that last year, and it was fine. They drawback at the end of the day but still that is something that i believe that they look at this season and they're like okay if we could get that guy to be a blocker and we can throw the ball to him great so it's funny that the bucks have built a roster with almost all receiving tight ends and not blocking tight ends because (laughs) they they really do ask more of their tight ends in both pass protection and just in their run scheme you're often isoed on a dn or you're part of a double team block right those aren't always common things a lot of teams are just split zone and bring your tight end across and have them cut a guy or get in a guy's way and sure the bucks just ask a lot more from the position that you're, you're right it, it, we've seen cambray line up in the backfield as a as a fullback on occasion you know depending mm-hmm. on the formation and so that that is that's another uh you know reason why i think that the the tight ends that they keep they need to be able to do both cambray doesn't do it great oj howard doesn't do it great we saw oj howard get kind of blown up in the backfield and that led to the the fumbled exchange between Keyshawn Vaughn and Kyle Trask. So as as many people want to fault Vaughn or or Trask for that, I mean, you go back and look at the film. OJ Howard got blown up, and that was he was just as big of a culprit as as either one of those guys. Yeah, for sure. And somebody asked, you know, do the Bucks expecting too much out of the tight end position because Gronk is at such a high level? We're getting off the cuts track here, but I still think it's a good question by Harvinder. I've yeah. argued that yes, I think that it's. You don't want to run scheme that's reliant on tight ends and wide receivers as blockers. It does not matter if they're Gronkowski or Godwin. Those guys are obviously good blockers for their position. It doesn't matter. You just don't want a run scheme built on relying upon those kind of players. Godwin right. is a good blocker for a wide receiver, yes. but there's just a limited amount of times that a wide receiver is going to actually block a linebacker. And that's true for Godwin. And if you watch tape of every block by Godwin, you will see what I mean. He is not going to handle linebackers one-on-one all the time. It might happen on occasion, and those are probably the reps you see someone post on Twitter He's a good blocker, but what they ask him to do a lot of times in that scheme is just not fair for a wide receiver. Right. And so, yeah, I do think that this is a good point, Harvinder, and something that I think is uh, is part of the weakness of the run game is you rely on too many variables first, too many variables to eliminate too many variables for the other team, and one of those, two of those can be at times you know a tight end and a wide receiver. That's no bueno in the run game. You don't want that. Uh, if Hagen is out, Cockrell for safety. We'll see, Richard. It's either that or – Chris Cooper made it as a special team. Yeah. We haven't heard anything about Chris Cooper That's yet. That's true. I think it's probably the Cockrell's the fourth safety. That would be my guess. Which yeah. He didn't necessarily and, tackle great in the preseason games, but his coverage was good. Right. And the fact that that they've only, they're going to keep three tight ends, at least that's what we're suspecting right now, means there will be another position that will have a, a bonus player. It might be wide receiver. They might keep seven, and that would mean Jalen Darden and Jaden Mickens are – or at least on the roster for week one, or at least for the time being, it might mean they keep five defensive backs uh, at the safety position. And maybe like, like John said, 
Ross Cockrell makes it as that utility player that can play safety and cornerback, and maybe Chris Cooper makes it as a special teams ace. We saw Ryan Smith really not even factor in at cornerback the last couple of years, but he was a gunner. And, uh, you know, you, you could kind of say that Keyshawn Vaughn has, has kind of taken on that role this year where he doesn't do much other than being a gunner. I don't see any reason yeah. why you'd want to give Keyshawn Vaughn the ball. Okay, let's can, as a can we pause on Keyshawn Vaughn. We've got a lot of questions about the running back group sure, on the box. Let's so it. let's just uh, well, everybody who's asked a Keyshawn Vaughn related question, which I see is several of you, yes. and or made a Keyshawn Vaughn related comment or a Bucks running back who's going to start related comment. This is the section we're going to inter- we're going to attack that stuff right now. Okay, let's starting running back for the Bucks week one, Scott. Is it Ronald Jones? Yes, it is Ronald Jones, no doubt about it. And Leonard Fournette is still going to start the season getting fifty percent of the carries. Well, I think it's going to depend. I, I think you're going to see what has happened dating back to Bruce's first year in 2019 when it was Peyton Barber as the starter and, and Ronald Jones as the backup. You had typically the starter would get the first two series. Then you would have the backup running back come in and get the third series. And they would kind of be a determination based upon how the starter fared in those first two series. Mm-hmm and how the backup fared in that one series, then you would see the shift take place kind of because really you're talking about into the second quarter right now before halftime. So the second half would kind of be determined in terms of the carries on who performed better. And and to Ronald Jones's credit, he outperformed in those situations with, with lesser first half carries. He ended up getting more carries in the second half, beating out Peyton Barber back two years ago for that starting running back job. Mm-hmm. And, and I, th- I think that's that's kind of how it's going to play out. You're going to see both running backs see some time in the first half. And Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich will go with the hot hand in the second half. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be kind of a week-to-week thing. I mean, this is the NFL. It's not for long. And that means starting jobs unless you're performing. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you're right about that. Uh, but I also wonder how quickly can Ronald Jones show him he's the hot hand. I hope that that happens pretty quickly but we'll see what happens obviously with those two guys in that matchup and Giovanni Bernard as well the other aspect of this is Keyshawn Vaughn Scott you wrote pretty I think fairly but also you're done like you just sounded done uh when you wrote uh, in two-point conversion what's the move with Keyshawn Vaughn first like what would you do with him at this point uh as cuts near and and are here obviously nobody really expects him to get cut is there a move that can be made? There are obviously teams out there that have lost running backs uh, in the preseason that might be interested in making a move. He's a third round pick. What a couple of years ago, you still have contract yeah. control for cheap over a running back um, who's not going to get a chance in Tampa. Yeah, he just right has now. such limited film. And you look at Keyshawn Vaughn. I believe he did average four yards per carry mm-hmm. during the regular season on you know on a handful of, of opportunities. He did have a receiving touchdown. He's also had some drops and some fumbles. His preseason film did not look great. I don't know how any team is out there jonesing to trade for Keyshawn Vaughn. And just because he was a third-round pick by the Buccaneers doesn't mean that that a team would, would give Tampa Bay anything close to that because he has not put the film out there to warrant such a high pick. If uh, if Sony Michelle, a right. former first-rounder, can fetch a fourth-rounder, you can kind of do the sliding-scale math and say, well, a third-round pick who didn't really do much last year as a rookie doesn't have a lot of great film certainly from the preseason didn't wow anybody with a two yard per carry average and in doing virtually nothing on kick returns. Uh, I think the only value he, he has to Tampa Bay from my eyes is as a gunner where he did, he did seem to excel, but I, I think that for but whatever reason, it's still a big part of gunner, you know what it I is. mean? 
There's no and doubt. I don't know what that's going to look like for him. We just right. don't have enough sample size. That that worries yeah. me. So the, the problem with being a gunner is if you don't make the tackle, you are one of the far contained guys on the mm-hmm. sideline. So if you miss the tackle, you're essentially giving up the sidelines. And, you know, you just do the, the math and looking at the entire field as, as all 10 of those guys come down the field. If you give up one sidelines, half of your guys in coverage – are, are on the other side of the field, and they're probably not going to make the play. So it's very dangerous to give up the sidelines. You want to force things to the middle where there's certainly more bodies. So uh, you're if right. You can they, at least slow guys down when you hit them. Yes. You do, that is a big part of your job. It is. You know, not every gunner is going to make the tackle. It's a really hard tackle to make for right. a gunner. But, yeah, you got to be in the zip code, I think. you got to force a change yeah. by the ball carrier at least. So it's – there's still no sure thing with Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't feel super crazy about giving him a hat on game days, but we'll see right. if that happens on special teams. One cut that made me think it's possible is the fact that Antonio Hamilton not going to be on this roster. I thought right. he looked really good as a gunner. He's played really well as a gunner yes. throughout his career. Maybe he comes back to the practice squad. We'll see. Um, this was the only cut I'll just say that I feel like I kind of disagreed with. I know that he didn't wasn't necessarily at his best Saturday night, but I still feel like he's a guy that's in the right spot very consistently defensively he still had good plays and run defense he still was right there contesting catches you know he right. does he he isn't a great athlete but he seems like a very smart player well-rounded player that gives them some options on defense and so i i would have liked to see a guy like that stick around now if he's on the practice squad i'm not gonna you know complain obviously i sure. thought d delaney deserved a spot will oh, they yeah. keep six corners that's the other part of this scott is it is it five and delaney won the fifth spot and that's it or or is cockerel a safety full time now, and then is Delaney four, and then they'll almost certainly keep another corner if Cockrell's not going to practice a corner at all, I would guess. So he would be like an emergency corner, I guess. Cockrell would be in that regard. So I'm not sure what's going to happen here. It's just yeah. a very interesting. It will be. We've got to get a feel from Bruce after these cuts as to how they're right. going to use these. I, I think the one the one hint that Bruce gave us about Hamilton was the fact that that he primarily played inside in the slot. Mm-hmm. And I, I think with Sean Murphy bunting and the fact that Ross Cockrell can come in and play the slot too, as well as Mike Edwards, if they're yeah. looking to try to get him on the field, he's played the slot before and he's a safety. So that that's kind of, you know, in his wheelhouse, what they were looking for are more outside corners, right? If something happens to Jamel Dean, if something happens to, to, you know, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting can play both. That gives some good flexibility, but they were looking for another outside corner that they felt like they had enough inside corners. And so I think that gave D Delaney a natural advantage over Antonio Hamilton. But I agree with mm-hmm. you. You and I saw Hamilton the, the right way, the same way, I should say, mm-hmm. in that I thought he played pretty well in special teams. It just was a matter of he didn't have a great game in coverage against the Texans. Yeah, and and Herb Miller might have redeemed himself a little bit. They like Herb's size. He is an outside corner. He can play special teams. He came up with the diving interception, and just when you thought pretty good about Herb Miller and how he helped himself, boom! All of a sudden, D. Delaney, his primary competition, comes out and gets six tackles, yeah, two, two interceptions, picks, couple breaks, breaks, breaks up a fourth uh, Ray, uh, uh two point conversion attempt in the fourth quarter. Would have so, given up a touchdown. Quarterback overthrew the fade route, so yeah. it doesn't look bad for him. No, right. yeah, it was. It was. I mean, and Delaney had a good. I mean, he was so good in the preseason to me, even despite some of those you know plays that nobody's going to talk about because they weren't on the stat sheet. That I really, I I felt like, yeah, I understood him getting him beating out Hamilton. That made sense to me. Yeah. And he looks athletic. There might be some upside with Delaney. Like I'm, 
I'm like totally compelled to like want to see more of him. I know that's not yes. going to happen hopefully until next year if everybody's healthy, but Hamilton is kind of what he is, I think. So I understand that move. But again, how many corners do they keep? I'm in favor of being very deep at that position. Yes. I think Hamilton can play in the NFL and can help you in a corner. That's just really valuable. It's like to me that quarterback and corner are like after quarterback corners like up there at the most valuable positions because you need so many you and they need to do so many things in today's nfl that having good players really helps you're right and you're you're playing in a division that that you're still looking at even though drew Brees is gone Jameis winston mm-hmm. can throw the hell out of the football right I mean, sean right. payton is is a a, a pass first kind of guy mm-hmm. yeah even their running back is probably their best receiver on the team in Alvin <laughs> Kamara, right? Yeah. So the Saints will throw the ball. As long as Matt Ryan's in Atlanta, Atlanta will throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just drafted Kyle Pitts in the first round. He's a receiving tight end slash hybrid. Kyle Ridley's there. You know, you he's know, a first-round pick. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a, a massive target for the passing game. And then you look at Carolina, right, with their coordinator. They just traded yep. for Sam Darnold. They're going to see if, if he works this year. There's been some – Rumors or whispers that they might be in the Deshaun Watson market. Mm-hmm. Watson could throw the hell out of the football. He's mm-hmm. got some mobility, but he is a passing quarterback first. So this NFC South now and in the future is going to be passed first, and that's mm-hmm. just how it is in Tampa as well. So, yes, John, you need the defensive backs. You need at least 10, if not more, defensive right. backs between the corners and the safeties. And they got a couple guys, and you mentioned Ross Cockrell, a guy that can play both, and that's great versatility. Absolutely. that Ross Cockrell is kind of the pivot player for this team right now. I've seen some people mention him as a potential cut on, on the comments. Don't expect that to happen, folks. We haven't even considered or weighed that possibility. Ross Cockrell has been you know helping this team yeah. as a nickel. He can play outside. He can play in any coverage scheme. He can play safety. Uh, so there's just a lot that he gives you because of how smart of a player he is. Uh, got a, just a great feel on the field. Um, and so I, I he's definitely – going to be around no question about that gator country with a good point here tampa best front office in the nfl they know how to draft late that's how you build depth and early i mean early rounds and mid rounds is really how they've really made yeah. their money i mean they you know there's been some late hits too but wait and the thing is 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 uh you know i've been very frank with the peter report audience maybe some of the newcomers uh are new to this take but uh, I, i've been accused certainly in years past of being you know a jason light apologist I've always believed in what Jason was doing. All the decisions have not hit, and I've been critical of the ones that haven't. I mean, the Roberto Aguayo, the mm-hmm. Jameis Winston situation didn't work out. <laughs> Keyshawn Vaughn, exactly. I mean, I've, you know, I've I've criticized Jason. He knows that. But the thing is, is is what I've, you know, I've even told him to his face. I said, I, you know, I believe in you, and in mm-hmm. in in the when I the day I don't believe in you anymore, you'll know it. But I believe in your process, and it's taken some time, and and I, I've I've agreed with the vast majority of what he's done. And it's not about kissing ass. It's not about mm-hmm. about anything other than just just like, hey, I think this is working, and um, and I, I take no credit for it because I didn't make one single personnel decision. That's all him and John Spitek and Mike Greenberg, and the coaches and the front office people and the capologist. But the thing is, is is I saw the vision and what they were doing and the reason why Tom Brady chose Tampa Bay is because the roster was built and he was the missing ingredient, the quarterback mm-hmm. that could be the trigger man, not turn the ball over. But Mike Evans, his first ever draft pick was here, right? right? Um, Chris Godwin was here. The offensive line was here. The defense was here. Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians were here And light. It took some time, uh, 
You go back to 2014. The cupboard was bare in 2014. No reason. I wonder that why they went to two and 14. Light mm-hmm. made a bunch of horrible personnel decisions that year, but he learned from it quickly, cut his losses. And, and you're right, Gator Country, yeah. that they, they do have the best front office in the league. It took some time. Jason Light's a very quick learner. And in this thing, it seems like it came together pretty quickly. Yeah. But I saw what he was doing, the thought process behind it. We had some conversations about what he wanted to do. He's like, listen, this is not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. We're going to take some lumps along the way. We're going to try some things. Jameis Winston was a five-year trial, right? It, mm-hmm. it didn't work out. But along the way, this offense was being built under Dirk Cutter, under Bruce Arians, and they switched out the quarterback position, and it made a world of difference. It just did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, they've built the team the right way, no question about that. Having said that, it was a good question on here, for, again, from Harvinder. Brady aside, which position worries you the most if the starter is out? It's a good question. I spent some time thinking about that and may write about it some, too, before the season starts. Outside of the quarterback position, I think you obviously feel pretty good at wide receiver, a tight end, even a running back. But in the interior line, I think offensive tackle is the one that, yeah. If if somebody went down, especially like a Donovan Smith, for example, or Tristan, exactly who I was thinking, Donovan, right? Like if you would need to call, so I don't think you could just ride with Josh Wells the rest of the season. Like if it were a serious injury, I think it would be like a call Russell Okun. See what he's doing. Yes. Call Mitchell Schwartz if it was a right tackle and see see what he's see where his back's at, see where his health is at. Right. You would need to make a move there. I think bring somebody in, get him acclimated to your offense. Um, I I just I not that I think Josh Wells is horrible, but he's not a he's not a full season starter. He's not I agree. He can get you out of a game if you totally can agree, around John. it, but that's it. Yeah. I go back to a conversation. I learned an awful lot of football from John Gruden. He and I, we had beers together lunches together just conversations together and i remember going back to when he was telling me about his interview with al davis for the head coaching job out there with the raiders and al davis asked him you know what's the most important position in football give me your top five and it's quarterback it's left tackle it's the guy protecting the quarterback it's your top edge rusher the guy that's going to put the pressure on the quarterback Number three, number four is the top shutdown cornerback, right? And of course, this all revolves around the passing game, right? Quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, cornerback. And then whatever your scheme is, that kind of determines what number five is Mm -hmm. on defense, offense, whatever. But those are really the top four. And so number two on the list, John, is left tackle. It's so critical. That's why you see so many teams try to draft offensive tackles, left tackles so high. And I think that's what gives the Bucks some value with Tristan Wirfs. I think that Tristan Wirfs would slide over to the to the left side because what you want to do is is try to have that left tackle be out there on the island. It's much easier if you've got a shaky situation, a right tackle, to keep a tight end in, to keep a running back in on that side. That's that's the side where pressure, if it comes to the quarterback, the quarterback's going to see it. But the blind side, right. that's where quarterbacks get hurt. That's where you see the, the sack. Uh, strip sacks, the sack fumbles. That that's where Joe Tryon Shoinka got Tyrod Taylor on Saturday night from behind and with the strip sack. So I I think that you're right. Left tackle is is key. Donovan Smith might not be the second best player on this team, but he certainly might play the second most important position on this team. And it's yep. probably that way with a lot of teams. Left tackle is is really where it's at. 
Right, and somebody said uh, that, that, that things have changed a lot. If we're talking about Donovan Smith as the second most important player on offense, it's just like value in terms and also what's behind him, too. Yeah. That, that's what matters. I mean, we wouldn't rank Donovan Smith high if we were ranking the 11 starters, although he's all probably always been better and more valuable than Bucks fans believe that he is or and certainly has gotten more that way. Um, there's still bad reps here and there, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, one of the things that was a prevalent takeaway just before we move on to this the Super Chat is – that when I will rewatch those starter snaps, the protection for Brady was just so good. And it, and then when it wasn't perfect and that's the NFL, like protection will never be, you set a guy and you crush him five reps. And then all of a sudden he hits a counter. Like you don't know when that counter's coming. You know what I mean? Like pass pro is so hard to be 100% clean at all the time. And Brady just made him right. Whenever like Donovan Smith had some great sets, took down Whitney merciless was just crushing him. Then merciless hit a spin move and, I don't know what would have happened. Smith was kind of trying to recover and it was kind of hard to tell. He fell out of phase for a second and Merciless stumbled a little bit. And it was like, right. this could have been like inside move, get a hit on Brady, but Brady just boom, balls out, balls out. Yeah. You know, he senses when those things are coming. So I just hope that everybody kind of remembers that like, this is a team sport. It is not one person. So we're, yes, we talk right. about it at times. If you lose this individual, if you lose that individual, but when protection is good, Brady thrives. When protection is bad, Brady still has thrived. Yes, if it were a total train wreck like that Saints game last year when they got crushed, then it would be harder for him, no question. But I still feel like this is a guy who, even when the lines aren't perfect, can make plays because his mind moves at that type of pace. So everything helps each other, and I don't want to individualize the game too, yeah. too much. Lawrence Lowe with the $5 Super Chat. Lawrence, hugely appreciate that. Bucks fans need to let go in order for us to become better. Fans want the wins. It comes with cutting the Winstons, McCoys, and the Hudsons. <laughs> well, he's Mr. August, John. I mean, he's 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 a fan favorite every August. That's that just caught me by Hudson. surprise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. The Winstons, the McCoys, and the Hudsons. Yes, the yeah. Tanner Hudsons. Yeah, up there with Gerald. One of these three don't belong. That's right. You know. But I, I like I said, I do think Tan- my big thing is somebody claimed Tanner Hudson if you're another team. I mean, maybe the Bucks yeah. don't want that. Maybe they would like to have him back, but He's he's good. He can play. He can play right. in today's NFL. You see some of the tight ends that produce in today's yes. NFL. Like there's not a lot of good ones. Like yeah. he can play as a top two tight end for somebody who doesn't ask so much of him as a blocker. So yeah, hopefully he gets that opportunity. Right but. now, to, just just to clarify things. I mean, I mean, Bendix, Jameis can be good with a good supporting cast. I mean, he had he had Chris Godwin. He had Mike Evans. He had. Scotty Miller, right? He, James he, being he, good somewhere else yeah. will have nothing to do with what right. happened in Tampa Bay. The scheme yes. was perfect for him. Both schemes that he played yeah. in were great for him. The offensive the line, line was the same, better. minus Tristan Works. Yeah, it got right. better I mean, certainly, but yeah, still a good line. Like yes. James was the problem way more often than not. You know, and, yes. and that may be totally different in New Orleans. And right, good for him if it is. But yes. you can't look at all oh, those Tampa Bay's like just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, not. you can't say he didn't have a good supporting cast here. Yeah. I mean. In 2019, he had two thousand yard Pro Bowl receivers, right? <laughs> like, so they surrounded him with everything. Yeah, it just it didn't work, and maybe it won't work anywhere. We'll see, but it wasn't the Bucks' fault, no matter what happens right. somewhere else. All right, so these roster cuts are are just underway, Scott. There are many more to come. Yes. And what kind of other moves are you expecting? Do you think there will be any surprises in the rest of the roster cuts? We've talked a little bit about Steve McClendon. Maybe let's hit the pause button there and, and discuss. Yeah him for a second but before we do because i want to get to that potential roster cut that you've kind of foreshadowed may be coming i want to let people know about underdog fantasy scott because they are changing the game in the fantasy world and if you want to be a part of it all you have to do is go to underdogfantasy.com sign up will take you a couple seconds 
The link is actually in the description, the YouTube description for this podcast. So click on that link. All you have to do with Underdog Fantasy, it's the best, easiest place to play fantasy football. You sign up, download that app for your computer. It's very aesthetically pleasing. It looks great. It's easy to use. And they give you $25 to play when you sign up. So you can enter their best ball tournament leagues that they have going on. Chances to win a million dollars for free just by signing up. They give you $25 to play. Some of these are like $5 entries for a chance to win a million. So you get five free entries for a chance to win a million just by signing up. It's I can't emphasize how simple this is, folks. They're literally just giving you away money to be able to go and, and win money. And then if you want to spend some money, they give you some to be able to play fantasy football. We've probably got 50, 60 people signed up in leagues with us. We've got a $50 league that, by the way, if you're in the $50 league and you're listening, we still are waiting for like four of you to sign up, I think, if you're in yeah. that league. But go in, get in there and take Scott's money. That will be a great opportunity. We've got another league drafting tonight. I've got a $25 buy-in league that I'm drafting with tonight at 8 p.m. That's going to be fun with a group of fans. So if you're interested in being in a league, we've got $25 buy-ins. We've got another $50 league we might be putting together if we get enough interest. Just shoot me an email, j-o-n at pewterreport.com, j-o-n at pewterreport.com, and let me know so that I can put you down on the list. And if we are able to fill another league before the season starts, we'll fill another one. We filled like six right. so far, I think. So if you want to be a part of that, just let me know. We'll make something happen for you all. It's great fun. It's a great time. Underdogfantasy.com. Make sure you check it out. Use that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, right. to get $25. We're not going to get too bogged down in the Jameis Winston thing, but I can tell you from talking to somebody, let's just say very close to the offensive line with the Buccaneers, okay, looking back at Jameis Winston's 2017 season, he was sacked 47 times. Yeah, okay. Come on. 47 times. To put that in perspective, Tom Brady was sacked 21 times last year. That's 26 more sacks that Winston, who's more mobile, than Brady suffered. Mm -hmm. And why did that happen? Because he was holding on to the ball too long. Okay, yeah. that's the that's that's the thing. Is he was holding on to the ball too long, and he ran around a lot. And uh, from what my sources at team headquarters tell me at the Advent Health Training Center, what they tell me is that. It, when the coaches went back and graded the film, Jameis Winston out of those 47 sacks, the coaches gave him 21 of those sacks. So that means the Bucks, gave up, <laughs> the Bucks gave up 26 sacks, which is on par with what they gave up for Tom Brady, which is 21. So mm -hmm. that's the difference right there. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a huge it's, difference. Right. Yeah. And we'll see. Maybe Jameis fixes that part of his game and maybe I hope so. New Orleans I'm, gets some the ball I, listen, out quick. I, and it's, I like Jameis Winston. I hope he does well in New Orleans, except for two, three, maybe three times per year. So yeah, I mean that's right. <laughs> no, I, I we'll see how it goes. And we will talk more about James. We're gonna talk more about the NFC South, the NFC in general, and the NFL as a whole next week on the pod, especially the end of this week and into next week on the pod, because we won't have a game to preview until later next week uh, when we start looking at that. Uh, Bucks Cowboys game a little bit more in depth, but we've got plenty to discuss in that regard. But we are looking at these cuts right now. Uh, we talked a little bit about Tanner Hudson, the only one on offense that surprises me. I would not personally, I wouldn't expect to see Jake Benzinger or Jarrell Adams back right, yeah. on the practice squad. We'll see Javon Hagan, I would guess, would be back on the practice squad. Antonio yeah. Hamilton could be as well. And, I think Elijah and really Longer. the thing with, with Javon Hagan, two things. Number one, I, I thought he had a kind of a bad game in coverage on Saturday night. Uh, he was he was in the vicinity for both of those touchdowns. I don't know exactly what his his responsibilities were. Yeah, but... we got no good replay angles on yes. Saturday night. That yeah. was a huge gripe from us. We got like 
two or three replays and they weren't great angles. Right. So. But the thing is, is I, I think that his coverage was lacking in that particular game. Yes, he did have a nice sack fumble, uh, which was a, a designated blitz called by, by Todd Bowles. He does have some versatility. He can up on special teams. Mm-hmm. But Ross Cockrell just made more plays in practice than Javon Hagen did. And his versatility to be able to play special teams, corner, and safety, uh, that just kind of gave him that fourth safety spot. I do think Hagen maybe comes back on the practice squad like you mentioned, John, but but that's the reason why. Hagen had a, a good camp and and played well in that first preseason game, but just didn't show enough. He can play. He's aggressive. He's physical. He can yeah. stick somewhere, I think. I don't think it's out of the question for him to still make this team eventually. Um, Correct. He got better, I thought, even. We finally got to see him in preseason. He's a player I'd love to see stick around. I'd be happy with he was on the practice squad. Yeah. He plays with anticipation at times. Um, he's not super explosive or crazy athletic or anything, but I definitely think there's something there with him. He's not limited by size or any like fatal flaw in my mind that I've seen exposed so far. Right. So I would keep, I would love to keep developing him and I'd love to see Chris Cooper come back to the practice squad too. Haven't seen much from him on defense, but he's tackled well and he clearly has some special teams ability. And so I think both those guys could make him 16 person practice squad. I think those guys could make it. John Ward wants to know if Ponder could make it in my mind, Ponder should make it, um, yeah. you know, with Quentin Bell hurt or waved, um, and then uh, Ladarius You're talking about the practice squad, right? Being on the practice squad. Yes, being on the practice squad for Ponder. Yeah, yeah, being yeah. on the practice squad. I just thought he was better than than Quentin Bell. Thought he was yes. better than Ladarius Hamilton. Um, you know, who, who Hamilton actually he got better as camp went on too. But you know, either mm-hmm. of those guys in the practice squad will be fine for the Bucks' purposes. I think Cam Gill. What's going to happen with him? Is yeah. it a wave? Does he get to injured reserve? How do they treat that? Uh, and that brings us back to the Steve McClendon part of the conversation, right, Scott? What yes. do you anticipate happens with Steve McClendon in the coming hours? It was really interesting, the fact that he did not play on Saturday night. And what made it even more interesting is the fact that that when you look at it, the fact that Ndamukong Sue wasn't there right due to COVID, so needed another defensive tackle. Now, you don't need to see Steve McClendon, right, just because you know what you're getting from the 35-year-old right. vet. But at the same time, you, you would think that, that they might have put him out there for a couple snaps because of course they played for Raheem Nunez Rochez and he's kind of on the level. I think Raheem uh, Nunez Rochez slightly ahead of, of Steve McClendon on the depth chart because he can play both nose and the, th- the three tech spot. So I, I just don't know. The problem is, is there's enough of the young defensive linemen that showed up and showed out during the preseason. We saw mm-hmm. Jeremiah Ledbetter have a fantastic game not just on defense, but recovering Keyshawn Fumble's uh, Keyshawn Fumble. Maybe we'll call you him Keyshawn Fumble. Well. I mean, might as well be his name. Keyshawn Vaughn's like Fumble got a new segment here on special teams. Place. Yes, we have Leonard. We have Keyshawn Fumble. You know? <laughs> but but that that's that I think is is really helping his cause. Now he might not make the roster. He might be on the practice squad. But Khalil Davis, John, you and I both like mm. what this guy did in camp and practice. Yes. He's just twitchier than than any of the other defensive linemen. And and Pat O'Connor is just he's just a barbarian. I mean, I love POC because he he yeah. is and he's gotten so much better at anticipating the snap count, yet not jumping off sides. He is a one gap penetrator. The guy goes balls to the wall, one thousand miles an hour. He's yeah. not the best athlete. He's not the best tackler, but he will be disruptive. Get back there and make some things yeah. happen. We saw him get a, a sack. He needs I, to I, play I, some on defense. Yes. Scott. yes. I, 
and maybe I'll end up getting dragged if he plays and he's terrible and it's only preseason. But I, I mean, he was out there against a lot of the Texan starters. I know it's not their full starting O-line or anything, but he was out there against some of those guys and he was whooping them. Like he, his first step, I, I paused the tape, like, and I'm his first step. He's the first guy off the ball all the time. Last two preseason games. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. We got to see more of it. Obviously he's right. played so little in the NFL that it's, it's hard to know, but when you're explosive, I really think it's the most important trait when you play up front. There are other things that matter. You can be explosive and still end up being bad if you miss it a lot of other things. Right. I don't think he's bad enough in those other areas for it to be a killer thing for him. In my opinion, he has soundly outplayed Raheem Nunez Rochas this pro season, uh, this preseason, especially la- the other night. I mean, I thought he yeah. was clearly better than Nacho, who can be a little bit feast or famine with everything that he does. Sometimes right. he's yeah. great. He'll just try to gab shoot and get way too far right. upfield and. <laughs> He's different than the other guys on the Bucks team, but yeah, I, I really, I really think Pat O'Connor. He now he's not as versatile as Nacho. Nacho can play the nose if you need Correct. to, or and he's just a I bigger guy. He's right. three five three ten. I don't want to see POC in the in the in the A gaps, but no, you, you, that's not ideal, right? right. But but certainly, I, we saw his development last year. I mean, listen, he got a sack last year when when Anthony Nelson only had one. Now, Nelson got another one in the, the postseason against Washington, but but I, I, I like what Pat O'Connor does. He mm-hmm. blocked the punts on special teams out there in Denver. He is a core special team guy. I, I think that, that those those three guys, Khalil Davis, Pat O'Connor, and Jeremiah Ledbetter, the upside there is is so much better for this team now because all of those guys can play. Right. Maybe maybe not as stout as Steve McClendon with his experience, but you're not losing much, I think, with any of those other three players. Plus, you're gaining a guy in special teams where McClendon really doesn't play in special teams, maybe outside of the field goal extra point unit. Mm-hmm. But for the long haul, you're going to lose Indomitian Sue probably next year. He's 34 years old. He's got a couple twins. He's business-minded. He's made his millions. Mm-hmm. I think he, he's gunning for a ring again, and he wants to retire. That That's my take. I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I think that's what happens. So why would you want to have two defensive tackles on your roster, age 34 and 35, and you're going to lose both next year, and you're taking a chance with Khalil Davis slipping through to the practice squad or Jim, yeah. Jeremiah Ledbetter with mm-hmm. the with the progress he's made over the last couple of years or Pat O'Connor. Right. I, I say go with the younger guys. What we're finding is, John, and you study the draft even more than I do, it's harder and harder to find good, quality, impactful defensive tackles coming out of college football in this day and age. I don't know why, but it used to be you could you could find three, four, five of them in the first round. And now yep. they're just they're just not nearly as good, not nearly well, as plentiful. Yeah. And so if we that's going to be a position run need, a couple years ago, and yeah. now it's dried up. <laughs> it really has. It, it really has. And, and and so if you've got a couple guys that you've spent time developing, mm-hmm. why take a chance on losing one of those guys when you're going to lose Steve McClendon next year mm-hmm. at age 36 regardless? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. The other thing about McClendon, and yeah, maybe you mentioned it in there, I'm not sure, but he's a vested veteran. So yes. McClendon, you can cut him, and he is not subject to waivers. So McClendon could just – you could have like a handshake. Hey, we're going to sign you right back. We're going to cut you. We're going to let – you know, we're going to get through these cuts in the 4 o'clock deadline. We're going to keep somebody else on the roster. We'll move right. them to injured reserve like a Cam Gill. It could allow them to keep him on the roster. Then they move him to injured reserve after this cut, that cut deadline. Um, and then they open up a roster spot by doing that, and then yeah. Steve McClendon comes back onto the active roster. And so I wouldn't, I would be surprised, I guess, if McClendon isn't initially cut, 
I right. do think he comes back in some capacity. I, I don't know at that point, you know, yeah, you have to weigh the practice squad thing. Like, are you going to keep seven? You know, one thing that I thought was interesting, we'll see what happens with Cooper and with her Miller, but if they end up going eight DBs for whatever reason, because they really feel like Cockrell can be fourth safety, fourth corner, and they're right. you know, five corners, three safeties, basically counting Cockrell as a corner. That's risky. I don't necessarily anticipate it happening, but even if they go eight or nine DBs and they go four, or they go four linebackers and nine DBs, which I mean, heck, I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a second. I'd rather have seven of these interior defensive linemen and then have five linebackers when, in my opinion, two of them I'm just not that interested in, especially if Khalil Davis and Pat O'Connor are both going to play special teams. You know, you're right. not you're not losing a ton on special teams if those guys are both going to play. Pat O'Connor plays every special teams group. That's so right. as long as that's going to continue, I think you can get by without that. Now yeah. you need <clears throat> Joe Tryon to play maybe on punt coverage. Maybe that's not something they're interested in, but Bruce yeah. Aaron sure sounded like he didn't care about that the other day. Right. Well, the thing about McClendon is he is like the ultimate insurance policy, right? I mean, that that's why they, they traded for him last year was it was a good a good move in season for Jason Light in the Bucks defense when Vita Vea went down with that that knee injury. He knows this scheme, certainly helped the Bucks win the Super Bowl. So, you know, he does offer that insurance policy for the Buccaneers to the defensive tackle position. Folks, if if you haven't heard it's hurricane season. I think most Floridians know that. And unfortunately, uh, we, we saw the effects of, of the latest hurricane to hit uh, New Orleans. And Tampa's had its share of scares uh, this year with the tropical storm. But uh, a couple years ago, gosh, they had to, to move the, the season opener back a week for the Buccaneers because of, of a hurricane. So you want to make sure that you're properly insured. This is the time. We've, we've seen storms come through August, September, even into October. Hurricane season's here for the, the next couple of months. So make sure that your that your property is, is, is properly insured, whether it's commercial property or whether it's your, your homeowner's policy. Do what I do. Give Briar Greaves your business. At least give them a phone call. At least give them a, an email. Send them your policy. Let Briar Greaves and Sam Greaves Go ahead and, and take a look at it and see if they can save you money. And more importantly, make sure that you're properly covered. Uh, so life insurance, commercial insurance, homeowners insurance, automobile insurance, voters insurance, only one place to turn. That's our friends over at Briar Greaves. Check them out on the web at briargreavesinsurance.com or give them a call at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166, briargreavesinsurance.com. Absolutely. And we've got so many things coming up on the podcast, Scott, that it's hard to even keep track of all of the we've got coming up just in the next two weeks as we get ready for the season. Yes. Uh, I won't even say days necessarily for these things because we are still ironing out specifics in the schedule. But right. we'll have tomorrow. I do know we'll be looking at winners and losers of the preseason for the Bucs, who really impressed us in the team, obviously. Right. As well um, as final roster cuts, because I'm right. sure they're going to be releasing some names tomorrow. So don't miss yeah. tomorrow's show at 4 o'clock for sure. Right. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, we'll have more on the roster cuts. We'll have the final list by the time we go live. The deadline is when we go live. So we'll know everything either right, right before or live on the air. We'll know everything. So we'll break that down. Plus, we'll talk about winners and losers of the offseason based on a lot of those cuts, but also right. our eyes and also some of what you especially are hearing in the organization who they're excited about. We'll talk a lot about that uh, on tomorrow's show. We've got guests coming up throughout later in the week that are going to be fun. We'll also take a look around the NFC and what's the competition look like? Here we are. We're on the outset of the season. Uh, what's the competition look like in the division and then in the NFL? 
we'll maybe do even some top 10 rank the top 10 teams and let's see how many are nfc in right. that group uh, <laughs> after watching buffalo kansas city and cleveland over the last couple of days i was just like man those three teams are just loaded none of them are in the right. nfc so um yeah, we'll talk about all that coming up on the show in the next couple and weeks. John, it's going to be it's, a lot of fun. It, it, it's coming up soon, right? It's more specifically September 9th. But if you missed out on Saturday night, Saturday night was the debut of Peter Game Day, and we covered the Bucks Texans game mm-hmm. exclusively here on PeterReport.com and on Peter Report TV on our YouTube channel. And uh, so we're going to be doing Peter Game Days every single game now. And what that's going to entail is – is John Ledyard, Paul Atwal, myself, and some other guests will be piping in to help give you the insight, the analysis, injury updates as they happen. Mm-hmm. And so if you missed out on Pewter Game Day, go ahead and click it on our Pewter Report YouTube channel and give it a quick look and see what you've missed. But really what it is is it's live in-game commentary from John Ledyard and the Pewter Reporters, expert analysis, injury updates, Watch it live on pewterreport.com. So if you have your your phone pulled up or your tablet, you can just go to pewterreport.com and watch it live. We're obviously going to be live for that Bucks cowboys game on September 9th at about 820. Yeah. And, of course, following that, it will be the Pewter Report postgame podcast. One hour later, we're also going to have a Pewter pregame show before every Pewter game day show as well. So wall-to-wall mm-hmm. coverage pregame, during the game, postgame, right here on pewterreport.com. And we're going to have that expert analysis coming in the form of guests, too. That's going to be one of the best things I'm most excited about. Uh, and we're very excited about the first one, the Pewter Report game day. That's going to be regular season edition. We're very excited about that coming up. We'll have more announcements some graphics and everything like that coming up for you uh, later this week even. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're thrilled to be able to bring that to you all. There's going to be so much content, including pregame content. So if you've got pregame plans, yes. you're, you're going to have an opportunity to watch us pregame as we get you set for each of these games as well. We're going to be previewing things up and diving into stats, numbers, players, matchups, things that you don't get anywhere else. So if you are a Bucks fan, you're going to hit the bonanza with PeterReport.com and the Peter Report podcast this year. So make sure you're subscribed over at Peter Report TV on our YouTube channel. Hit that like button. Hit the bell, too, for the notifications for when we go live because we'll be doing that a lot. We're going to be in your living room, hopefully, a lot this season. That's going to be our plan. Uh, that relationship with us, y'all and, and us, or hopefully it continues to take off and grow. But I am thrilled about the guests that we're going to have coming up this week, too, obviously, um, because I think uh, they're going to be a lot this week and in the, for the first game day show, because I think y'all are going to be pretty excited about some of the people that will be popping into these shows and offering their analysis and thoughts on the Bucks as they play. No doubt about it. It's going to be a fun week ahead. Uh, we have roster cuts coming all through the night. We've got a, a roster cut tracker on pewterreport.com where – Every time there is a roster cut, we'll update that tracker. So maybe have that link that uh, you know open on your browser, open on your phone, and hit refresh. And then it's it's going to keep you up to date on on who the Bucks end up cutting. We'll have that going all the way through till tomorrow at four o'clock when the final cuts are down. So and then we'll have a practice squad tracker open as well, mm-hmm. and that will keep you up to date on which players the Buccaneers to end up bringing back to the practice squad and also maybe which players they they pluck from elsewhere. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. Might be a position or two where the Buccaneers uh, look to make an upgrade over the guys they currently have on either their 53-man roster or the practice squad and go outside the organization and grab 
maybe some players they missed out on in the draft. The yeah, absolutely. I think in Buckstown 12 says, I think primetime will be better this year. Brady knows what down it is. Oh, yes. <laughs> that will probably be a big part of this. No question yeah. about that. Um, Jakey wants to know, are we expecting additional roster cuts tonight? Still, there is I would a say good yes. chance that, yeah, there will yep. be a few more announced and agents kind of letting media know basically, hey, our player this or that, you know. Um, right. And yeah, the additions from the outside are interesting too. There probably will only be one or two would be my guess, but I bet you see some new faces come in here too to the practice squad. And so that'll be always a fun thing to track and take a look at and see who they can remember. Josh Rosen was a year ago, wasn't it? Uh, was yeah, pretty he close. Was. A year ago. He, yeah. he looked good the other night. So um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's definitely a lot to <laughs> finally find. look good. That's like in his fifth team now or something. I know. Like that. <laughs> it's the ship has sailed. I love how everybody gets excited. Like what he, I'm like, he is barely hanging on to a career. Yeah. Like there's a decent chance he doesn't get on a roster cuts. He's only his fifth team. I know right. he's been in bad situations, but come on. Like he's a miss. Talent he's sticks, John. Yeah, he's, Talent that's, sticks. Right. that's right. Exactly. It's, it shines through to, to more of an yep. extent than he's at, at least at this point. Um, so yeah, that's your thoughts on the rocks roster cuts and their situation right now. The one we didn't talk about Scott that maybe we can close the show out with real quick here to give people one more thing is linebacker. I am just, Keep KJ Bread and that's it. I don't need a fifth linebacker on this yeah. team, Scott. I don't. I just don't. I I don't think that Grant Stewart has enough upside or impact. He's not going to get. How does he get a hat on game days? He's not yeah. effective enough to do that right now, in my opinion. I if agree. You're, if you're letting Joe Jones go, which clearly they have, they yep. let Joe Jones go at this point. Okay, Joe Jones, I would have kept over Stewart because I know I can get Stewart on the practice squad. And Jones, I would have kept if I wanted five. Now that he's gone, and from his Instagram post, it sounds like they've said. Hey, just go pursue another, you know, he's probably going to get a spot somewhere else with a team Correct. that needs him a little bit more and doesn't have a Kevin Minter uh, and a KJ Britt on their roster. I'm not interested in keeping Stewart on I, this I roster agree. over guys like Antonio Hamilton and, and Tanner Hudson and guys like that. Yeah, not even that, but I, I would be more open to keeping another outside linebacker, whether they've got just unshakable faith in Cam Gill because he played special teams last year and was an emerging pass rusher. He's been injured most of training camp missed the preseason altogether, but whether it's whether it's a Cam Gill, uh, whether it's you know, uh, I mean they've already parted ways with Elijah Ponder, but I'm just saying I would rather keep another outside linebacker for the body type, for the speed, maybe another young pass rusher you can develop. You know you can never have too many good pass rushers, and I, yep. I know that they added what looks to be an absolute home run in Joe Tryon Shoyinka. And yeah. we, we've seen the growth and development from Anthony Nelson. He's not going to mm -hmm. be as flashier, as athletic as, mm -hmm. as Tryon Choinka is, but maybe they keep an extra outside linebacker and maybe it's Cam Gill. Uh, right. We'll, we'll, Could see, be. we'll see how the injury shakes out there. And, and, uh, but uh, I would be fine with eight linebackers. I mean, outside, inside combined. I would yes. like it if Cam Gill were healthy to stay too. And maybe he ends up being healthy. I don't know. You know, if he's healthy, then I'm fine with him staying. Right. But I, I would think, yeah, at this point, let's just go eight there and let's go seven interior D linemen. Let's keep six corners and, you know, let's roll with that. That's three safeties. You know, that's what I would do um, at this point if I'm the Bucks. And maybe that's Herb. Maybe Herb makes it. Maybe we get yeah. another season of Herb. I wouldn't hate that either. So we'll see. Uh, you know, Herb has been a practice squad guy. He's been a yeah. The interesting I mean, thing too is, is a, guy too. Flash Gordon reminds us Ladarius Hamilton. I mean, he did have a sack the other night. So they didn't. Yeah, maybe he's a little bit further along than Elijah Ponder. I I, I think both of those guys kind of kind of were uh, um, you know twins almost uh, when I would watch him in practice. Similar body type, similar playing styles. It, with with Hamilton, maybe he's just a little bit further ahead. Than ponder, but um, maybe we'll see, I mean, Hamilton's up, been around a little bit, right? He had a cup of coffee yeah. in Dallas, and 
Correct. Just, yeah. I mean, either, either way, either guy is yep. whatever at this point, both can play, both are competent, I think. Um, yes. So that, that's good. A good problem to have. All right. So tomorrow we'll be back on the podcast, more roster cuts. We've still got a good, most of the roster cuts to go. Actually. I thought we'd see more at this point, the way we're the right. way Greg Allman was cranking them out earlier today. Scott, <laughs> yeah. I thought we were going to see all of them. By yeah. the time JC the Allen started. reported the, the Javon Hagan. Yeah. Shout out um, JC, our guy yeah. JC, getting the Javon Hagen news uh, up uh, on PeterReport.com. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's been that tracker will keep you kind of up to date as you go through the moves throughout the evening and so on and so forth. So make sure you follow along with that. And then tomorrow we'll break it all down and we'll talk about the winners and losers from the offseason. Guys who impressed us, guys who disappointed us, guys who impressed the team and guys who may have disappointed the team too. We'll give you some insight into all of that on tomorrow's podcast. Thanks so much to y'all for listening. Until next time, thanks so much for Tuning in for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.